I'm Molly, and you're listening to Zetas Lapidus, a Mammoth Club original podcast. What up, all you military personnel and artsy folk, because those are really the only two types of people that exist, according to this film. I'm Alan. I'm a plush version of a dog. Oh, okay. I was going to say, where are the, where's the dog representation here? My name is Max. <laughs> I'm a demon. Uh, a demon dog. <laughs> and this is Zetas Lapidus. It is the podcast where we watch every Disney Channel original movie or DCOM in chronological order and then spend way too much time analyzing them. This week, folks, we watched the movie Hounded. We did. That's, <laughs> oh, that's a thing that happened. Can I tell you, like, there's actual, like, semi-star power in this movie for some of the people. Like, I recognize them from other movies that aren't DCOMs. Yeah. There's, what? Like, what, are they okay? What Cast is Ed Bagley Jr. doing? Like, what is Ed Bagley Jr. doing in this movie? <laughs> Being I think this really is the point that, chairman. like, got us to Shia LaBeouf's turn. You know, like, yes. I think that this yes. really laid the groundwork. For everything oh. that would come later. So the basic show info for this just incredible film is as follows. A teenager ends up being hounded by a well-groomed and seemingly cute and tiny dog that actually turns out to be a nightmare of a beast. So as you know, I use IMDb every week for this podcast to do Armageddon. And I typed in the movie Hounded. And I didn't pay attention to the year, but I pulled up. <laughs> I Hounded. saw this too. There's yeah, I saw this. Hounded, I yeah. pulled up Hounded, and let me read you the description: A stately home robbery takes an evil turn one night when a gang of young thieves are caught by the owners of the house and then hunted across the estate for the proprietor's entertainment. And I thought, that's a hell of a decom. <laughs> <laughs> sure, sure is not the decom. Turns out that is a 2022 film by the mm. same name. And I'm not going to lie to you. I watched the trailer. I'm interested. Well, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I might watch that later to absolve myself of this version of Hounded. We've got to find which Hounded is the best Hounded. <laughs> I think we know, and we haven't seen half of them. So I'm, I'm excited <laughs> for, for that one. This movie, this version of Hounded, the original, some might say, was released on April 13th of the year 2001. Did either of you watch this movie as a kid? I didn't even know this existed. I, same. I had yeah. no... And you know what? Now I know why. Yeah, it's it's... I I want to say they buried this thing like like a bone. They had like a bone. Yeah, like a bone. They buried this thing the moment it got released. They're like, you know what? We'll just leave that guy in the dirt. Yeah, where it belongs. All, all I'm gonna say is, poor it's, Taj Mowry. I I didn't ever expect to get a worse dog movie than You Lucky Dog, but I think we did it. I. I was afraid when I saw the when I saw the photo come up on Disney Plus. Uh huh. Which first I was a little concerned it wasn't on Disney Plus. I got to like H O U N before it ever <laughs> popped up. So I think they're trying to bury it still. But when I saw it pop up, I was like, oh no, don't let that dog talk. And if only the dog had talked, it might have been better. It might have been better. It might have been better. I, I I think it's a bold thing to say it's worse than You Lucky Dog. I don't. Oh, okay. No spoilers, I guess, but I don't. <laughs> well, the top song of the time was All For You by Janet. Oh, Janet Jackson. 
All the girls at the party, look at that body, shaking that thing like you never did see. Was there ever a time where Janet Jackson just went by Janet? Because literally in all of the music charts, it just had her listed as Janet. That must be what was going on. It's all for you, if you really want it. It's a good song. The top film of the time was uh, another movie targeted at the teenage tween demographic, Spy Kids. Top oh, movie this week. Banger. Alan Cumming and the, and the, and the finger people. Mm-hmm. I've actually never seen Spy Kids. No? My knowledge of Spy Kids is that one of them is married to Megan Trainer. Yeah, Junie. The actor right. played Junie. Argu- no, not arguably. Inarguably. The better movie <laughs> of these two between Hounded and Spy Kids. I will take Carmen and Junie every day of the week. Guys, do you think we like this movie or not? It's like, so we're, good. It's we're, we're, we're not even into it yet. I bet you don't get guess. <laughs> it's an arguably the best film we've seen of the DCOMs. Uh, some news headlines at the time. There was a gamma ray burst named X-ray Afterglow GRB010222 that happened so deep in space and it was so bright, scientists were like, what happened? And then that's when they realized, oh, we just watched a star die. And that was apparently big news in the science community at the time. I saw a picture. It actually is a big burst of like light happening in, in the cosmos, which terrifies me, if I'm being honest. Did you say a gamma ray? Gamma ray burst x-ray afterglow is the isn't, name of the effect. Isn't that why the Hulk is big? Yeah, that's the making of Bruce Banner, actually. That's his origin story. Molly is in this moment grappling with the fact that gamma rays are a real thing. Yes. I definitely thought that was a Marvel thing. No, no, no. No. Okay. Okay. Hey, just, hey, we're just going to move on. Yeah. We're moving on to the release of the first ever Animal Crossing game. Ooh, it came out on big. April 14th of the year 2001, launching the incredibly successful game and franchise by Nintendo. That Original all these years later would get us through a pandemic. At least yes. two weeks of it. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's important for you to note that April 14th is also the anniversary of the Titanic sinking. Hmm. Well. The, the Titanic sinking is the second most uh, impactful thing. thing that's happened on that day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the. <laughs> Animal Crossing. Really? The Titanic Animal sinking. Crossing. There's like a raccoon that wants your money. The greatest nautical disaster of all time. What it you is that? a raccoon that wants yeah. your money. That's true. Good old Timothy Nook. I know things. You do know things. Hey, not not space things, apparently, but <laughs> <laughs> other things. <laughs> that That's your gap, the space stuff. It really, that is my knowledge gap. It's too scary to think about. Oh, it's, it's space a black and wood. time. I think mm. you, we, we can encapsulate <laughs> yeah. all of Mahoy's gaps yeah, in space go. and time. No wonder you hate Doctor Strange. You hate both true. of the things associated with One continuum. It. We nailed it. <laughs> right, there you go. I'll stick to the ocean where it's not scary at all. Mm, mm-hmm. And you have Aquaman. So, good for you. DC Comics, but neither here nor there. Are we ready to talk about this movie? I guess. No. All right. Well, we're going to do it anyway. Sorry to say. What? Uh, hey, just a suggestion. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to give a suggestion. Yeah. What movie's next? The next movie is Jet Jackson, the Jet Jackson movie. What if we just blind talked about that movie <laughs> instead? <laughs> what if we pick any other movie on the list? Yeah. And we just roll with it. Or what if we just go back to You Lucky Dog? What if we talk about that again? It's a reprisal. What if we just talk about 
a completely different movie that's not a decom. What if we today about- we're going to talk about Fast Five? No, welcome. We talk to- about Hounded, the 2022 version, <laughs> just based on the trailer that I watched. Give me two hours. I'll go watch it, and we'll, uh, <laughs> we'll be right back. We'll we, back you, we've it. all read the most dangerous game. Like that's a literary work. We've probably all consumed. What if I this like just becomes it. the Armageddon pod? What if that's this yeah, episode? There we go. <laughs> Imagine that that's how the Armageddon pod happens. <laughs> is that it's we set it up like a different pod, and we're like. Ah, fuck that. We're doing this instead. <laughs> I just start I Armageddon like and then we just don't get off of Armageddon for the rest of the pod. You've been Armageddon and that's it. Like, that's just the pod. Oh, that's amazing. Okay, so this movie, Hounded, 2001, a classic, really, a cinematic masterpiece, kicks off with the animated feature of our lead character, animated, drawn, confronting a wolf in human skin. And I'm supposed to believe in this moment that this is drawn by Jay played by Taj Maori, which if so, he is one of the most talented 13 year old artists ever. Oh, so I really like this intro. Me too. It gave it was me good. Hope. It brought me back to earlier decoms where you got the kind of like cartoony intro. Uh-huh. Like we had this a lot in the very first ones under wrapped you lucky dog. Like you got the kind of like stylized, intro with the title of the movie come up and i was very hopeful in this moment because of that and because i like taj maori i was a big fan of smart guy when i was a kid so i had hopes y'all i'm just gonna say this now and we're gonna keep moving Mm -hmm. and i'm gonna say that i think the first 10 minutes of this film set a bar that i was really excited about yes and then it never recovered yeah and then the rest of the movie i'm actually more disappointed because the movie started really good and then got bad versus it just being bad. Like I agree. It, I was, I was like, Oh, I've never seen this before. Cool intro, diverse cast. We got a girl in that wheelchair. I mean, like we're, we're getting to it, but I was like, this is fucking bad. Let's go. And then, uh, huh. I just yeah, they and then were, they it were, falls off a cliff. Like that's it. it literally, I, the first I'm ten minutes. I'm more upset ugh. because it started so good. They kind of set you up in a classic decom way. I felt the same way. I was like, all right, we clicked up the single parent counter really quick. Mm-hmm. Dad's dead. Kid wants to go to art school, but may have to go to military school. He's got a strained relationship with his big brother, who's in middle uh, in military school. And I really felt like we were getting back to our roots as decom enthusiasts. Like I thought mm-hmm. we were going back to like some of the better films that we've watched very early on. Right. I agree. And let's take it a step further, right? Because what you've mentioned, Molly, is about the first five or so minutes of the movie around the kitchen table, mom having that conversation with Jay. And we go to school, and even that, this, like the school introductory scenes are also pretty good, where you meet his friends, again, a diverse group of friends. I think it's the first time in a decom we have somebody with a, with a visible uh, physical disability, right? I think that is the first time we've had that in a decom. And cool. I'm, I'm going to take that a step further. We meet Shia LaBeouf pretty quick, and I know we'll get into him. He's the classic, like, bully, like, horrible kid at school, and he hits on the girl in the wheelchair and I don't know why, but I like loved that. I was like, mm-hmm. they did not make her weird or different at all right. because she's in a wheelchair. She's a very cute girl and Shia LaBeouf, the like cool kid kind of bully character immediately hits on her. And I was like, Oh, how cool. Cause they don't normally, that's, that's not something I expected to see in a decom. Mm-hmm. It was just like, yeah. The associated trope in 2001 would have been social outcast. Yeah. Which is nice to see that this film 
as you said, didn't do that. Not to mm-hmm. her. The boys, they did. But oh, to her, yeah. they... Yeah. But I, yeah, I agree. It said it was so strong to begin. We meet that cast of characters. Again, as you said, Shia LaBeouf comes onto the scene, is a jerk right off the bat. You meet the headmaster of the of the school. What is his name? Ward? Ed yeah. Bigley Jr. assistant. Ward uh, Von Lassen. Dressum. Von Dusen. Von Dusen. Ward Von Dusen. Ward Von Dusen. Talk about just a really ugh, name. Uh, who is bumbling and competent and mean, which is just a great trio of character traits. Uh, very sarcastic. He was an ass the entire time, but a bungling. But a good, a good stereotypical villain, right? Correct. Like this is absolutely the guy and the fact that, you know, his relationship. Anyway, he, he's absolutely the guy in a classic decom. Molly, mm-hmm. to your point, that would be the villain. Like mm-hmm. definitely it's set up normal. And so we get all of that and then we get the central conflict or what I think would have been the better central conflict if they actually fucking explored it. And that is that Jay and Shia LaBeouf's character, Ronnie, are in direct competition for a scholarship, the Donald Peterson Memorial Awards competition for a scholarship to go to art school, or at least it's where Jay wants to go to study art, right? That is at least as it's introduced, the central conflict. And we n- almost never go back to it. The, yeah, the whole thing is that Jay, his mom, single mom, dad passed away. They cannot afford to send him to this art school without a scholarship. If he doesn't win this scholarship, then he is going to be forced to go to military school, which is where his big brother goes. The other conflicts that they don't explore enough, they try to, but they glaze over it and it it's ridiculous how it's resolved is that he and his big brother do not get along at all. Mom's going out of town for work or to take care of a family member that got hurt. And big brother is going to come down from military school to look after Jay for the weekend. Jay is visibly annoyed about this. So that kind of sets up the scholarship thing. He comes out for the week. Jay, so mom is going to be gone for a week to see the aunt who broke her second ankle. And there's a whole gag about that. But the brother is going to be down for a week. And there is, and again, we sort of glossed over it, but the brother is at the Stark well military Academy right now, studying, leading a platoon. And there's, he's dealing with his own. This is, they, they seeded this and didn't ever really come back to it. The older brother is supposed to be dealing with his own conflict of not being a good leader and trying to actually connect with his group of gentlemen that he's leading. Uh, and just yelling at them. And it's also something that Jay brings up earlier, right? Again, part of the setup is that's a really neat theme to explore with the older brother. By the way, the older brother is Rev from Remember the Titans. Love that. Oh, I know. I'm sure you do. <laughs> I'm so sure you we'll do. put a pin in that. Uh, what I'm, I guess what we're all trying to say is they seeded so many cool things and then just fucking like, you know what? Let's put all of that really cool shit that we could explore on this shelf and then bring out a demon puppet and have that be the central plot driver. And by plot driver, we mean just like D right. The train left the tracks and went off this dirt fucking road off a cliff. It was like I, the, the train tracks of the plot would have been so good. Just leave the train on the tracks. I, I agree. I, I, I was so honestly so disappointed that I, I started this movie being like, man, there's so much to love. And there's so much good stuff here. And then they just don't use any of it. And it's a, it's a huge bummer. It's, it's just, just a, a massive bummer. Okay, back to it. So again, we have the first 10 minutes. They're in school. The ward, 
the headmaster, confiscates Jay's note cards where he had drawn his animation that was utilized as our introductory sequence, which again, what a cool way to see that. They're confiscated, taken into Ward's office. You then find out that Ronnie is Ward's son as he comes into the principal's office as they're discussing the speech that these two finalists, Ronnie and Jay, have to make to get the scholarship to go to the Donald Peterson Academy. Can I ask something? Why the fuck does Ronnie need a scholarship? His family's rich as hell. Prestige? I guess, but like the whole time they talk about how rich they are. The rich get richer, Molly. I, I guess, but I just like... I guess yeah. I guess it's to the prestige of winning the award is his. His I think that with the the seed they plant throughout this is that Ronnie's grandfather uh, founded the school that they are going to. This is a like family school. The school is named after Ronnie's grandfather, and so I think he is holding an expectation of Ronnie that Ronnie is behaving appropriately, that he is a star student, that he's living up to his expectation as an educator and a founder of the school. And you get that through Ward, Ronnie's dad and son-in-law mm-hmm. to the founder, a being partner. like, being like, hey, your grandfather keeps asking your mom, if you screw up one more time, we're gonna have big trouble. Like he's trying to like cover up for Ronnie a little bit. And so it seems like the answer to your question, I feel like from the movie is there's there's pressure from grandpa because he started the school. Yeah. That Ronnie should live up to the family name and represent the family well. I think Ward is just sort of a representation of nepotism. Whereas Armand at least like expects his students regardless of who they are to live up to a standard right armand uh columbus being the founder of the school and ward's father-in-law as you mentioned max i think rotney is also the example of nepotism oh absolutely 100 like, oh, sure. yeah, yeah, yeah he doesn't do anything ryan's a little nepo baby yeah. uh for sure got, got a little trust fund baby a little, little trust fund baby right there you didn't um just really quick alan the you mentioned that the art cards got confiscated Mm -hmm. um because they fell all over the ground and and, um and the headmaster uh saw the the drawing of him as a wolf or whatever but those cards are also the notes for jay's presentation so today the stakes are that today they are giving presentations to win this scholarship jay will have to present v ronnie and jay's been working on this presentation hard he's feeling confident about it his notes are on the back of these cards and then those cards get confiscated by that master and he even says like hey my my notes are on there i need those and the headmaster's like well you shouldn't have drawn such inappropriate pictures on the back of them if you needed your notes what a stupid fucking reason to confiscate something very punishment doesn't fit the crime totally so this all leads to and we're, we're kind of diving into this. This all leads to Ronnie going into Ward's office. That's when you as an audience member learn that Ronnie is Ward's son. And Ward asks Ronnie, hey, what's your speech? What is your speech going to be on? Because Jay's is a well thought out piece on recycling and being environmentally conscious. And Ronnie pulls out this like crumpled piece of paper. And Ward goes, if that's a speech about how Jackie Chan would be the great next president, you absolutely cannot say that and have to rewrite it. And I was like, 
What a like what a wild comparison that we have. Like Ronnie has no. I guess it's just intended to serve the nepotism bit even more. It's intended to sell that. Like Ronnie's got no business doing the being like going up against Jay. He's got no business, which I guess feeds in the outrage for what happens next, which is Ronnie just plagiarizes and steals Jay's entire presentation and takes it because Ronnie is scheduled to present first, goes out and just says, and, and presents the speech as his own. And Jay gets up and leaves because, I mean, to, to God, how, how would you even go up and, you couldn't recover from that, especially not given the stakes of you knowing that, Ron, like, this is why this is such a better plot. You know Ronnie's the son of Ward. You know Ward shows preferential treatment. He has a history of doing it. You find out later, like, Jay's acting in, in the way anybody would in that moment and being like, I, I'm just set up to fail here and bail. And that's, this is, this is when the train goes off the tracks. God. Yeah, I know. I'm starting to remember this movie right. now. And, um, <laughs> and oh dear God. Um, uh, okay. So this all transpires. Jay walks out. He's being comforted by his friends and we see him sitting outside with his friend, Tracy? Tracy, what's the girl's name? Tracy. Tracy. Thank you. I'm glad mm -hmm. I nailed it. Um, he's. We find him sitting outside with his friend Tracy, where, you know, she's trying to support him. He's like, "What am I going to do? I have to go to military school now. My mom can't really afford either one of these, but I definitely can't go to art school." Tracy is seemingly going to art school. She's going to go to that school, and so they want to go together. And and then this is the first crazy thing that happens in this movie is uh -huh. that she's like, there has to be a way. And then a literal thought bubble appears next to, <laughs> next to Jay's head and plays a scene that, that has already happened in the movie. And he says, I have an idea. And, and if that had been, I, if that had been the craziest thing that happened in this movie. So like in the thought bubble, that feels to me like they were doing a bit from smart guy. Like they just took a bit that Taj Maori was used to acting in Smart Guy and brought that into. I don't think they did that in Smart Guy. I just I don't need a visualization <laughs> of your thought. I just need you to go. I have an idea, and, and go and execute. Move on, and I, now hopefully it's I, a better idea. I just. Why did they do it? But again, if that was the craziest thing, well, what then they also this movie would be pretty great, I think, because that is not the craziest thing. Well, what they also see here is Tracy has her dog on her lap. And Tracy's oh, yeah. dog growls at Jay. And he doesn't he establishes that he's a serial killer by saying, I don't like dogs. And dogs don't like me. I only assume serial killers don't like dogs. Yeah. It seems like a sweeping judgment. I don't know. <laughs> what if I told you right now I don't like dogs? I've seen you make out with my dogs. <laughs> oh, oh, wow. That's not. Oh, all right. Um, listen, I, it's mostly her. I don't it's want mostly any rumors. Um, no, no, I I've call seen, her my girlfriend, but. Yeah. I've ooh. seen you interact with my dogs. So either you're the best actor of all time. Thank you. Or you're lying. fucked <laughs> up. <laughs> There's a big moment where he goes and he's decided. Correct. He's going to go tell Mr. Van Dusen what happened and just like 
beg him to say what happened. So he goes to find Mr. Van Dusen and he's like, he read my cards verbatim and you can see the light bulb go off on Ward's head where he immediately knows, yeah, my piece of shit son did in fact steal this other kid's writing. And he's like, well, those, I destroyed your cards. So uh, there's no possible way he could have gotten that. Like he like is trying to cover his own tracks, knowing exactly what happened. He goes back to his office, calls Ronnie in, Jay eavesdrops. Ronnie very bluntly admits, yeah, I stole his speech. I knew that if I went first, there's no way he'd get up and give the same speech. The dad, instead of doing any kind of like punishment or telling his son he did something bad or like making him own up to his actions or any kind of repercussions for his son is basically just like destroy those cards and destroy the evidence that you cheated and and plagiarized jay's entire speech so jay's heard this so now jay not only has the assumption that ronnie did this he's heard verbatim that ronnie did it and that mr van dusen is not going to do anything about it so now he decides to go and get some dirt i'm gonna go and get the car he's gonna go b and e and steal the cards out of their mansion because he saw Ronnie riding away on his bike and he saw the cards in his backpack. So he's like, he's still got the cards. I'm going to go steal them from his house and prove that he stole my speech. Yeah. Also, after Ronnie is just a complete asshole yes. and rides up on his bike and kicks Jay's bike over mid riding and knocks like into the Jesus, like unnecessary act of violence. I gotta say though, in that moment, that is the moment when Jay looks and sees Ronnie riding away. He's sitting on the ground, having fallen over, and he sees the cards in his backpack. I can't believe it takes him till the next day to th- realize he should go get those cards. Yeah, like, I don't the know. fact that he doesn't jump on his bike immediately, I would be hauling ass after that kid, like to get those cards back. And if I ended up having a tussle in his house, at least maybe somebody would see that he had the cards and that I knew he had the cards. And it wouldn't be this like sneaky thing anymore but he just lets jay or he just jay just lets ronnie ride away with his cars and he's just like oh man oh nuts he's got my cards now the b and e plan is hatched jay goes to the van dusen's house where ronnie lives in the pool house by himself much like ryan atwood on the oc and the difference here is because i think ward and his wife cannot stand their son Mm. which you know what Fair assessment. I think Ward just is the biggest, like... Deadbeat dead? Pushover, like... I'm trying to think of a... Like, I hate when people are like, he doesn't have any balls, because, like, I don't like that expression, but I'm trying to think of a one to replace it, because he lets no his... spine. Yeah, he, he lets mm. his son do whatever he wants. He lets his wife... Like, his wife is like yells at him all the time he lets his father-in-law like he just like is just like a shrivelly little guy that like lets people walk all over him Mm -hmm. he has this appearance of like i'm this big tough principal guy but really he's just like a little guy who's like okay to whatever anybody Mm -hmm. wants from him and so my assumption is ronnie was like i want to live in the pool house and he was like okay ronnie arrives okay uh, ronnie and the family leave because they're going to accept ronnie's scholarship jay sneaks in breaks into the pool house and starts searching for the cards to no avail. Then this little Pomeranian named Celine. My my first reaction in this was every door in this house is left unlocked. Yes. That's my, that's my, my, my first reaction is 
Jay sneaks up to the pool house, just walks in, just just uh, doors unlocked, and I was like, huh? And then they show the dog with an open sliding door, just what? And I was like, did they not leave this house? Like, did, but then they show a maid, yeah, and now, and I was like, yeah. oh, okay, this makes sense, but. Very like they don't care. They're just leaving this shit open. They make mm-hmm. a B and E quite easy around here. They certainly it's not do. even a B. It's just an E. <laughs> I don't have to break anything. <laughs> I just have to enter. Also, I made a mistake. The dog's name is not Celine. It's Camille. Yeah, True. get it right. That's I, it's an important character. I'm so in. sorry for disparaging a key player in this film, the small Pomeranian Camille, who exits the main house, goes into the pool house, and begins to bark which becomes a staple sound that you will hear so much throughout this movie. Jay interacts with Camille. Camille will not leave. The maid um, comes out to try to call them back. Jay feeling as if he's going to get caught, dons a hockey mask, a completely rational thing to do, and leaves the pool house in front of the maid who screams and runs away. And I just want to say, if I have been caught, I would be hauling ass. And Jay casually lopes out of the... He just like jauntily jogs across the lawn in this instance. Enough so to where like there's a... There, he's, he's running for like 30 seconds across the lawn. It's so slow. Everything about this is crazy. <laughs> like... <laughs> a, the, the maid is like, Camille, Camille come here. She she doesn't come in the pool. She's just calling for the dog. And so rather than, I don't know, hiding or going out the back window that he will utilize later in this movie, uh-huh. he puts on a hockey mask and just walks out. I, I don't even know what to say. <laughs> like, I, <laughs> this was the second crazy thing that happened in this movie. And we still haven't even gotten near what's going to happen. Like, it's just wild. It's wild. Camille then follows Jay. Yeah. She won't leave him alone. She's running after him and he's like, go away, dog, go away. And she will not leave him alone. Yeah, like gets hit by a car, though. The dog almost gets hit by a car, which did get my anxiety pumping. Because um, I, this, I don't know if this is just me, but I fear more for animals in movies than people. Like that kid running across the street, good luck. But that dog, I was a little stressed about it. This is the third crazy thing. Because why would he not get that dog, pick it up? Walk to the front door, knock on the front door. He knows the maid's there and say, I think your dog got out. Like, just pretend. Take your jacket off. Take your, Just take the jacket just, off. Like, mm-hmm. do anything and just say, hey, I was riding my bike and your dog keeps chasing me. Here you go. And hand the dog back to the maid. Why would you take the dog all the way to your house? Right. And we already know that this film, and we're going to talk about it later. In order to disguise oneself in this film, all you need is a floppy bucket hat. And they'll never know who the fuck you are when you remove the hat. So you could just remove your jacket, as you mentioned, (laughs) and just walk to the front door. He's like, I'm going to take you back to my house, and then I'll call them when the event is over, and I'll bring you back. And it's like, why didn't you just take out all of those middle steps and just bring the dog back? Because then we wouldn't have a plot, Malls. (laughs) Yeah, they act as though. (laughs) <laughs> this dog is 200 pounds in this movie. Like, like why that dog has a collar on. And why can you not tie the dog like, to the front tree? Be like, I've found a dog. Here it is. Like, here it is. Why, yeah. he, he's like, 
it won't like I I can't just pick it up, man. Just yeah, pick it it's, up. It's just a pick up the dog. pound dog. It's a cute. It's so small. His thought of like, yeah, Molly. His plan is I'm gonna take you home, and and then I'll call them and I'll tell them. And it takes Tracy again. I'm skipping a scene, but it takes Tracy being like, hey, dumbass. <laughs> the maid saw somebody there breaking into the pool house and now the dog is missing if you call and say i have your dog they're definitely gonna know you broke into the pool house and the fact that he needed somebody to tell him that made me think you know maybe you shouldn't have that scholarship after all i just like <laughs> perhaps it should go to somebody else uh, just, just as a suggestion yeah the fact that tracy had to be like you're gonna have to explain why you have the dog and he's like whoa, whoa what like <laughs> <laughs> it's wild oh. when they arrive back at home they being jay and camille camille's pretty chill like i mean it's obviously going to be a learning curve for anybody who says they don't like dogs and is not a dog person to like handle having a dog there. But for all intents and purposes, Camille's pretty chill. They settle in for the evening. They kind of fall asleep on the couch. Oh, um, also, just sorry. This is just a tiny note that I wrote down. Is dang the worst language we've heard in a decom outside of color of friendship? Oh, dang. I don't know why dang hit my ear. Because I think that I would have gotten in trouble in school for dang, saying dang, but not darn or something like that. Huh. I don't know why. Uh-huh. It hit my ear when he's like pushing the dog off because she keeps jumping on the couch. And he's like, no, get on the floor. And then she jumps back on the couch. And, like, and at one point he goes, dang, get off the couch. And I was like, I don't know. It hit my ear as like a stronger word than what mm. the kids normally say. But that might I, just... A- yeah, I, I never associated dang with being a, a bad word, if you will. I, I that was that was total free reign when I was a kid. Yeah. I keep waiting on a crap. Oh. Yeah. Well, we'll have to get in the later 2000s for a crap to show up, I think. Yeah. <laughs> so the dog is at home. There is one specific bit of seeding that happens with the dog Camille that I noticed that they will then continue to expound on and really jump the shark. And that is they're watching a movie, all the films that Jay turns on are military films this evening. And the first film, there's a very quick cut to Camille on the couch. Who's taken her paws and put them over her eyes. <laughs> yeah. <And she> has. <laughs> this signals to me that, okay, the dog is going to be doing some very anthropomorphic things throughout this movie. And what it doesn't tell me is that they're going to shoot it out of a fucking potato cannon later. <laughs> and I was not prepared for it at all. Again, it's not the craziest thing. Yeah. And, and, and may I say, by, by her pause, you mean very clearly a puppet pause. Yep. Like, they look nothing like they are the dog's paws. Like, That's in right. no world could you believe that these are actually the dog's that's right. which is the craziest part because a dog could cover their eyes <laughs> i i have two dogs i've seen them scratching their eyes and they can cover their eyes i have seen stunt dogs do the thing where they're like i think it's in full house they Aww. say to comet they're like you should be embarrassed and comet like picks a paw up and like covers his face with it like you can train a fucking dog to do that stunt and the fact that they're pulling out the prop dog already oh man it, it only gets better from here it also, only gets more fantastic also speaking of the prop dog they're also swapping the real dog every scene mm-hmm. i don't know yeah. if you, but like the actual pomeranian they're using 
keeps changing and you can tell by the level of the eye gunk and mm-hmm. the shape of the tail because mm-hmm. it's a little white dog little white dogs tend to get the crusties and the goopies in the eye and the dog's level of eye goop would change every scene and also one dog had a brownish tail yep yep and the other dog was all white yep. it's they have a whole host they have a they have a gaggle of pomeranians just at the ready to pull into new scenes um I would like to know another thing that happens in this moment is Jay feeds Camille. And Mm -hmm. as dog owners, I would like to know your reaction to him pulling every leftover Tupperware that is in this refrigerator from spaghetti to deviled eggs to anything. And this dog eats it all. What, what, just, just out of curiosity, what's your reaction as dog owners to watching that play out? That dog's pretty dead. Uh, that dog, uh, presuming that, you know, the Jay's household seasons their food, um, that dog's dead. Like that, it's experiencing some sort of like poisoning from garlic or, or anything. Like Oni- that dog is dead. Onion's bad for dogs. Garlic is bad for dogs. At the very least, that dog's farts are going to smell horrible from the deviled eggs. <laughs> like- <laughs> yeah, yeah, doggy egg farts. Oof. Yeah, I, I was like, he says at one point, Camille's like eating everything. And he's like, are you okay? And I was like, nope, she's going to die. Like that <laughs> dog is going to die. Like, what are you talking about? Is she okay? Yeah, what we should be watching this moment is just like the dog keeling over, but that does not occur. <laughs> Although I, it did, it, it did make me realize later the reason she's able to eat that is because she had a portal to hell in her body. So I, I you know, it, it revealed itself as to why she could eat. So I understood, you know, she right inside that mouth is a, a gaping maw of the ninth layer of hell. So Indeed. I get it. So the parents arrived back at home in this scene, and this gives us a little bit of a setup for what's going to occur, and that is Eliza is freaking out. Eliza gives me very Corella DeVille vibes. Except for she loves the dog. She doesn't mm-hmm. want to wear the dog. Sort of like the opposite end of the spectrum she's of the DeVille. Mi- she's the mirror of Corella DeVille. Mm-hmm. And one dog in particular, and that is Camille. She loves Camille. Eliza freaking out that Camille is gone. Ronnie and Ward utterly unconcerned. Could not care less. Ward is giddy, actually. What we get that is the only setup we have for the two to three scenes that exist on repeat in this movie, just with new characters, is Ward saying sort of to himself, a lot of the dialogue in this film I'm just now realizing is Ward fucking talking to himself. There's nobody there, or he's having a conversation with somebody who shouldn't hear him. It's just like for for his own benefit. Ward says to himself as he's flushing his allergy pills down the toilet, wait until the person realizes that that, uh, Camille is not on her meds. Hmm. Now, I don't know what medication stops you from being a demon. Yeah. But that's what Camille takes. Yeah, she is embodied by a demonic force from hell. Absolutely. And there is apparently some kind of pill you could take that pushes down the an exorcism pill of some nor- sort pushes down Beelzebub and uh, does not <laughs> allow it to surface through you like a puppet well, let's say Maybe. a puppet of, of Satan you know that like it, it's as if Satan's red meaty claw hand has shoved itself through your body and is embodying you um, you know like we're gonna see Quite literally here in some scenes uh, to come. Mm -hmm. We cut back to Jay waking up from a peaceful night's sleep after having the seeding line of 
they're gonna have to do with Camille off her meds. And what I did not expect was Asmodeus to appear. And we see Jay from Jay's perspective, he wakes up and sees Camille over him just This is first of all, not a dog. This is a puppet. And it's puppet because if you watch the way the ears move, that's mechanical, right? We're watching right there. It's like salacious crumb from Star Wars, but covered in white fur. Yes. It is alien. It is not a dog. It is alien in nature. You immediately understand. He and and Tracy had some harebrained scheme that he should call with a voice disguiser and say, like, I'll meet you in the park to give you your dog. And he does that, and Ward's like, ha! Keep the dog. And you immediately understand why Ward said keep the dog. Because mm-hmm. it now begins to rain terror over Jay and his home in a way I didn't I didn't realize a three pound dog could do. Yeah, let's assess the superpower, shall we? Camille can jump at least six feet in the air. <laughs> she does they have a trampoline boing sound effect Dude, go that's not all that happens at that moment did you see the hand yep <laughs> sure it there is. is a there is a a whole ass arm that comes onto scene that throws the puppet into the basket and you don't they don't hide it at all there is a spring as molly said and a fucking human arm that comes into screen they don't edit that shit out throws the dog on like up six feet in the air it is crazy like i replayed it three times because i I was laughing so hard do you know what i searched for because i want to give this person credit never before have i wanted to find a singular individual accredited i want to know the voice actor for camille because whoever is doing her growling or moaning because there's a certain point where jay goes are you okay and you hear no (laughs) so she can bounce she can talk she can talk she can thrust herself like a launch from uh from up and away she has the takeoff powers of the of the condor uh she has the ability to channel demonic forces um she can eat apparently at a superhuman level and that includes wood yeah she eats through a door burrows through a door and, like uh, and a dog could burrow through a door but not that dog it the speed in which this dog burrows through the door and she's that big is unbelievable the gashes this dog leaves in this door uh are uh, uh, it's she insane wolverine-esque claws <laughs> yes yeah well i mean thankfully you know ward explained that one to us a little bit earlier and he was like you didn't clip her front paws enough and i was like oh are they trying to like yeah i think they're trying to oh uh, maybe i'm giving this movie too much credit i think i am but there is a chunk of this movie in the middle of this movie let's say the middle 45 minutes of this movie that is the same scene replayed three times and it all revolves around camille doing crazy shit but the but those present are just mildly different yeah, that yeah, I agree. I think that that's an hour of the film is just the same bullshit over and over and over again in various places around the house and with either Jay or Jay and his brother or just the brother or, you know, like it. Oh, man, nothing the, happens in this movie. The amount of hurt that this dog can inflict on a full size human being is unbelievable. And I'm not 
I know a dog could hurt a person. I know a dog can kill a person. This dog, though, it's a teeny tiny dog, and she can grab a hold of one of their pant legs and rip the entire pant leg off with one bite. And did you notice she had a propensity to bite them on the bottom lip? Like she would jump out of a random space where that Pomeranian certainly should not have been, let's say the top shelf of a kitchen cabinet, uh, and latch on to Jay's, and it happened to Mike's, bottom lip. And they had to whip her around in a frenzy to detach. She also apparently has the jaw strength of an alligator and or crocodile. It is Holy yeah. shit. The fact that these people can't get this tiny dog off of them is really what seals the deal that she is a demon from the underworld. Because, like, mm-hmm. I maybe I'm overestimating my own abilities, but I think if a four-pound dog was biting me, I think I could get it off me. Yeah. I, I think I could there's shake a lot it of times, It's a, There's a lot of time the dog's not biting them, and they're, like, running away. Yeah. I'm like, guys. It's four pounds. You're so much bigger than this dog. Like, this is what is happening. Like, I just, I, I can't comprehend. She is what, one of the heads of Cerberus. It's like, I just don't know. This dog needed to be so much bigger yes. for this movie to work. Like, it needed to be so much bigger. It needed to be Beethoven from the it movie It needed to be Beethoven. Beethoven. That's, a great, that's a great example. Good script change. And I love the movie Beethoven. And I, I'm going to say this. This dog, I've never rooted for the demise of an animal before, but like, this dog's got to it's it's a demon like gotta the, go the fact that nobody just like lets the dog outside you'd have i mean sure you'd have guilt because it's an animal but also it's a demon it is yeah can, can i can i just read to you what the the internet says the explanation for the medication is because it never actually tells us what the medication is the dog is apparently on anti-anxiety meds so <laughs> i'm sorry what that's what anx- that's the representation of anxiety in a dog if we stop giving Kronk his anti-anxiety meds, will this happen? No. He'll be possessed by a literal demon. He's a 65-pound dog. I'd be a little more afraid of him. Call an exorcist in advance. He cannot be bothered. <laughs> Can you Dude, imagine? Kronk would be like... We'll get a spirit box. Kronk would be like, hey, uh, could you give me more snacks? Um, we'll get a spirit box. Yeah, we will. And we'll be ready to talk to the demon mm-hmm. when it comes out of Kronk's body. Because he's not be taking ready. his anti-anxiety meds. Because he's not. Got it. They, they later will say that this dog just needed to blow off some steam. How much steam <laughs> do you need to blow? I'd also need to do more than blow off steam. That dog went to pound town when it left the, the house. That's what it needed. I, I don't, I'm going to be like, I, I don't, I'm grappling with what even to say about the rest of this movie until the final five minutes, because I think we've said everything. Yeah. Like there's this for, for 50 minutes of this film, nothing new happens. Like it is, everything is minor. They finally introduce the brother who comes home to discover the house is destroyed. And of course this starts the tension with his relationship with his little brother. But then they discover it's the dog and he's like the dog tries to kill him too and he's like i get it okay the dog's awful like and then they replay this scene with the with board van dusen three times of trying to hand off the dog in different weird gooky ways like 
it's just I yeah it's there you could literally have a bulleted list of the things that are not the dog doing insane shit they are Mike comes home as you mentioned brother uh, Jay and Mike reconciling their relationship in a 30 second scene which I think was ridiculous that could have played out and actually been the conflict of the movie we can talk about that that's so bananas they use a voice changer as Molly mentioned to try to have these calls with Ward which never result in anything other than just being comedic relief at the, at Ward's expense. And then ultimately they lose Camille because they try to take Camille to a drop off and she runs away. So they fill the gap in time with now trying to find Camille who is out getting fucked. There's literally a, a, a section of this movie where the brother's like, I just need you to stall and I was like, that is what this feels like. Yeah. I agree. <laughs> I, I, I agree. That's what the movie feels like. Is you're just like, oh, we we contractually got to hit 85? All right. Let's put some scenes in here. We'll, we'll, we'll get to 85. Like, And Jay is like, <laughs> I think I'm used to Taj Maori being from Smart Guy. So every time he did something stupid, I was like, what, what are you doing? Like, he at one point captures the dog by putting a laundry basket on top of the dog. And then oh, he uses wow. the worst execution of duct taping it to the ground. Uh-huh. I, I could imagine. Then the dog can still kind of like, like wiggle about and is like, blah, 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 like in the cage mm-hmm. or in the laundry basket. So then he's like, okay, I need to put something heavy on top of this to hold it down. And I, I'm looking around this living room. I'm seeing a lot of the books. I'm seeing, you know, he, like a, a suitcase. You could get, um, you know, some some like big things from the laundry room, perhaps like the big things of detergent and chemicals. But he's like, is that a glass vase full of marbles? <laughs> that Why is that even in the house? Why is that in the house? <laughs> For the comedic relief, a la Home Alone later, then, obviously. Yeah, then he's going to put the marbles on the dog and then the dog's going to get out and then the marbles <laughs> are going to be everywhere and then we're going to get at least two scenes of people on the marbles. Whoa, 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 whoa. Like... <laughs> God, it's just so it's bad. Just, every piece of it is so obvious. Yes. Or it doesn't make any fucking sense. And they're like, we're weird. Like, let's talk about the second handoff where they make Ward Van Dusen <sighs> go get a sheet cake and stand outside a store singing the itsy bitsy spider. Or when he has to go bowling in My a favorite. red silk robe and slippers and bowl 10 gutter balls in a row and he gets hit by a bowling ball in the face. And all I was like, what? Like, <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. This was all because at, at this, the brother and the brothers um, healed their deep seated trauma about their dad dying in their broken relationship in 15 seconds, yeah. mm-hmm. which we can get into. I think it, it's a, one of the few scenes worth exploring. But after they've done that, <laughs> they decide together they're going to humiliate the ward because he's like such a bad headmaster, which is like, that's why they're doing all this weird stuff to him as yet another plot point like shoehorned in of like now's our chance to embarrass ward van dusen like crazy crazy like let's actually talk about a scene that is very short but is is nice i guess where you have mike and jay talk about their shared trauma from losing their father but really let me actually back up the only thing that i get from this is that mike is a dick 
an, an asshole and an incredible narcissist that only has ever seen his own interpretation of events and then assumes them to be true for everybody when he makes the statement to Jay, like, I was your brother and your father. You wouldn't remember it because you were seven. By the way, I don't know a lot about kids, but I think seven-year-olds like can also have memories that, that crop up at 13 because you know it's been half their life. Jay's like, actually, let me do a quick correction, bud. The day after dad died, I had a nightmare and tried to get into bed so I could sleep with you and have some comfort, and you kicked me out and told me to grow up. And I'm like, okay, yeah, fun fact there, Mike, you're a piece of shit like that's a terrible thing to do to a seven-year-old even if you don't want him there you just lost your dad and your younger brother is having a bad dream panic attack because of this likely induced by the death of your father and you kick him out you piece of shit and call him a crybaby like he's seven and just lost his dad like i mean and then after hearing this other side of events mike just changes he just 180s <laughs> because of that one story this is our second film that's got like really heavy patriotism vibes too, because oh. now Mike obviously is in military school and he can't fathom how Jay would ever want to go to art and like study art school because art is a, like a waste of time. He, and he, he says, he actually says, why would you want to study art? Art is for people who think they're better than anyone else. Yeah, that's a good line. And then he says, um, people wouldn't be able to waste their time with art because there wouldn't be freedom without the military. And then if you just listened really carefully, if you just really turned up the volume and really craned your neck, you could hear an eagle in the background. Just slowly you see a flag waving. Sort of overlaid. Yeah. Next to you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, listen, and no shade of the military at all but also like why the fuck is that a part of this movie no i i think the the sad thing is is that like um is that it colors the military in a bad light like yeah it i think that's the negative thing is not the like dude I, if if i was in the military i'd be pissed that that is the like your art's fucking stupid and it's a waste of time and for people to think they're better than anyone and the only thing that matters is this because because it's like no the, you're serving your country so that people have the choice to do this thing not to like be a dick about it like that's it's, it's like just, a victim it, complex it's unfortunate that it it actually makes sheds a negative light i would say on the military experience and i think again this is the conflict that had they chosen to focus on this and not the demon dog that we were all excited about at the beginning when we had hopes for this movie, this would have been a good conflict, I think, of like, mm -hmm. I'm doing it my way and this is the way dad did it and the military and blah, 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 blah versus the artsy kid who's more in touch with his emotions. Like, you could both learn something from each other and then you could have this, like, relationship actually grow and progress in a normal paced way as opposed to this five-minute scene all it, it happens overnight and then now all of a sudden mike is a good big brother like Absolutely. that's not what also he keeps calling him meat stain and i don't know what that means i'll tell you i looked it up did a little bit of perusing on the internet about the old meat stain i'm worried <clears throat> this um from urban dictionary meat stain the nice little brown mark that is sometimes 
left behind in the back of your underpants after a greasy meal. Meat stain. Is he calling him skid mark? Effectively. Meat stain is a synonym of skid mark. That's crazy for a T-Cop. <laughs> it is. Uh, I, don't, I don't know that I trust Urban Dictionary to represent what Disney meant 21 years ago, but, um, but it is crazy. I agree. Now, I did search for an Urban Dictionary entry that was in the early 2000s, and I found one that this entry is from 2004. Now, granted, it's not 2001, but I will say that there is some uh, okay. it's three years away. There was a lot of potential with the Mike storyline too, because when we get introduced to Mike at at the military school, and Alan, you talked about him leading a platoon, and that you know he's kind of playing that stereotypical drilled instructor uh, role. He's kind of cutting down everybody, and he gets called to talk to his uh, superior officer, who says to him like, "Hey, your your crew's failing," and he's like, "Yeah, it's not like they're they won't do the work. They're lazy." And the officer is like, man, you got a lot of potential and I know you work hard and you know all your stuff, but like what you're doing is not working and you are meant to be a leader. And yeah, if they're scared of you, they'll like follow your directions. But if they love you, if they care about you, if they know that you love them and care about them, they'll, they'll die for you. Like, and that's that level of trust is what is needed in the military, right? You got to be ready to put your life on the line for another human being. And I wanted so badly for their like for for that to be played out and for that because that is such an important I know Alan you mentioned this really briefly like that is such an important and speaking of good light to put the military into where I think the the stereotype is often that like it's it's rough and it's aggressive and that sort of stereotypical drill sergeant experience is what you're going to get in the military and to have uh, somebody an officer say like hey man, like you gotta show investment. You gotta invest in these people. You gotta look out for them. You gotta show that you've got, they've got your, your, you've got their best interests. And then to see if Mike could have evolved in a meaningful way through his family relationship, that then we got to see resolve because we do eventually see him back at military school and he's still being a dick. It's wild. That, I feel like they're trying to do Full Metal Jacket, right? That's kind yeah, of- Yeah, a little bit, like yeah. And then- but to your point, they're like, that's not the way. But again, all and we've all said this individually, but I'm just going to repeat it. The problem with this movie is they seeded a great plot and then proceeded to not play any of those incredible plot points out. Like there, there are three threads that we could track throughout this that none of them have anything to do with a fucking Pomeranian. And we get a Pomeranian, and I don't know why. Like, it, 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 the movie would be incredible for kids if they just played it out the way that they had written the first 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. Instead, it's a slapstick mm-hmm. comedy. Mm-hmm. Like, that. that's it. Speaking of the slapstick comedy, everyone is such an overactor in this mm. movie. It's unbelievable. Not one character acts like a real human being except for maybe his friends who you don't see very much and maybe mm-hmm. just tracy because the the two dipshits he has help him hang up lost posters for the dog are like oh my god yet another just like they're cartoons they're yeah. they're every one of this movie's a cartoon and it's like the scene that i always like this trope happens in a lot of decoms and a lot of like kids comedies of like seeing something scary particularly while in a vehicle and then you look at each other and then look at the road and look back at each other and i'll go ah instead of like 
doing any kind of logical thing to like stop mm-hmm. the car crash that's inevitably going to happen. Like they did that at least twice in this movie. Yeah, the dog gets lost, so then they make a meat like bait for the dog where they like put a bunch of meat in a knapsack and they're dragging it behind the car well, like they eventually a freaking, have to get her back Ugh. like and then the dog comes for but all the dogs come for it and then the pomeranian jumps onto the meat sack and like hangs on to it and then they're like driving her around and she's whipping around and These then like gator jaws she, and she like flies into the air and like it's just so <laughs> stupid and they both look at each other and go what and it's like what? What is? Did he? Dude, I can't with this movie. I I just cannot. <laughs> like, I think that they're all worse actors in this movie. Like, I've seen pretty much every character in this movie be in something else, and they are bad actors in this movie. So they get back the Pomeranian. They get back Camille with the meat sack after her sexy time. After she she goes to Pound Town, she does the doggy no pants dance, and. Their plan is to drop Camille back at the Van Dusen's abode. So Jay draws a map of the neighborhood leading to the Van Dusen's home. And this is when Mike feels it's appropriate to acknowledge the gifts of his younger brother. Now, if, you might, if you're thinking, listener, wow, that's really nice. He must have done it in a very overt way that was caring and well thought out. That would also mirror his growth from that scene and the tension earlier. Untrue. Utterly untrue. It is a throwaway line where he's like, hey, you're pretty good at this art thing. That's it. That's all we get. And Jay takes that like it is the best compliment he's ever gotten from his older brother. which is. It is the best compliment he's gotten from his older brother who's just objectively an asshole. (laughs) So they execute the reverse heist where they're trying to drop off Camille, who, by the way, suddenly is friendly. No, no explanation. Suddenly is friendly. No, she blew off steam. Oh, right. That's that's it. She She blew off steam. She banged in the park by the other dogs. Yeah. Jesus. That that probably happened too. Well, they we know what happened. They show her with all these other dogs. There's a scene in Sex and the City that is like the same, but it's actually executed well because it's a well written and crafted series. But like <laughs> they make that joke on Sex and the City where like the one dog gets out, and she's also a show dog, which is how you know how I knew Camille wasn't spayed was because show dogs can't be. I don't think. I think they have to be like fully intact with all their things. So as soon as I saw Camille with all those other dogs, I was like, this is like when Charlotte York's dog, Elizabeth Taylor, gets out into the park, and then she makes a joke that she got gangbanged. Mm. I thought the same thing. I know I, you did. I, Yeah, the same scene came to mind. Could we just talk about Sex in the City now? Could we just pivot yes. this whole conversation? I don't know anything about it. I'd rather talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> Who are you? Who are you? Yeah. I, think, I think you're a little bit of a Miranda. I'm a Samantha. A little Samantha, yeah. I'm a Samantha. I don't know what that means. But. I want to be a Samantha, but I think I'm a Carrie. Mm, yeah. yeah you're a Carrie. I, what does it mean about me that I'm a Samantha? Good thing. She's the best one. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Nice. You got a little Miranda in you, though, because Miranda is like the most um, realistic. Like, char- uh, like, like she's like kind of like cynical and sarcastic and mm-hmm. stuff about things. Yeah. So the older I get, the more I relate to her. Sure. Yeah. So they do a reverse heist where the plan is to have Mike approach the pool house 
past the main house and be unnoticed to talk be- to because I'm sorry, because at this point, the entire city's police force <laughs> right has been called in and is monitoring the phones because of these weird voice changer calls. The whole city's police force is monitoring the phones of the Van Dusens. They have cops on standby at their house and they're going to swarm whoever brings the dog by. And so they have to sneak to the pool house as to not be noticed by the police in the main house. It also should be noticed that father-in-law Armand Columbus has returned to the scene and he is the driver for finding the dog, right? It can't come from Ward. It can't come from Eliza. It has to come from Eliza's dad, Armand, who comes back and is like threatening Ward's gig. Speaking of Armand, can we talk about the fact that in Ward and Eliza's master bathroom, there's a portrait of Armand. <laughs> it's everywhere. His portrait is everywhere I, in that fucking I house. I know they have like eight portraits of their father, like of Ward's father-in-law, but the weirdest one is in the bathroom. You ever want to take a bath and kind of look up at an old, old man that's your father? You know what would it not induce no. a BM for me? That. Like, I yeah. imagine you're just like, I need a minute. I'm going to like relax and get then a bath bomb. Way back, look up, look up in his eyes. Uh, you know? I did not understand that decorating choice. It was bad. It was a bad choice. It was a terrible decision. He, he, he is where the money is from. You yeah, that's true. So <laughs> Mike goes, knocks on Ronnie's door. Ronnie comes out and has to do this half-baked quiz on BMX. Because now we are learning that Ronnie likes BMX. It's just a new thing that, like, is a reason that he'll go outside and talk to a stranger in a bucket hat. While this happens, Jay is going to sneak in through the back window that he could have just left through last time and drop off Camille, who he has been transporting in a picnic basket. Because she's nice now. Yes, because she's nice now. He's also going to make a call, because all the calls are being traced, from the pool house, use the voice changer, and... Make sure that the call is traced to the pool house and then leave the voice changer there. All to frame Ronnie, which is like a wild burst of intelligence that hasn't happened in this entire harebrained movie thus far. Yeah, it's not a bad plan, actually. I agree. Not a bad plan. It's just, but it's been wildly inconsistent, maddeningly inconsistent. So we have, please, I'd love nothing more. So we have Mike do this stupid fucking quiz with Ronnie and... As soon as he gets the signal, which is like every good plan, he's a wilderness explorer. (laughs) He does the wilderness explorer call sign and Mike sprints away. They all leave. The call eventually gets traced. The call's coming from inside the house, a la scream. And because this is a horror movie with a demon dog, the family busts in to see Ronnie reading his BMX magazine and Ward jumps to the conclusion that Ronnie, you stole our dog so you could extort money from me to buy the BMX bike you've had your eye on that I wouldn't buy for you, which is just a wild leap to a conclusion that is out of the fucking blue. Like no idea about this thing. I want to hang on Mike doing the interview though, because I do think 
that is some of his best acting in this film is him uh, pretending with the bucket hat and doing the thing. Uh-huh. You, you think that's his best Tell acting? Tell me more about Mike, Molly. Oh, oh yeah. You know, it's not Craig Kirkwood's best acting, though. Uh-huh. It's just maybe the best acting in this movie because I think we can all agree he is a much better actor as Rev in Remember the Titans. Uh-huh. Now, I know what you're both thinking. Oh, thank God. This one's going to be easy because... Will Patton is in Armageddon and also remember the Titans as Coach Yost. But I thought, much like this film, why would I take the easy, straightforward way through this adventure? So we're not going through Will Patton, no. We're going to talk about Craig Kirkwood, who's Rev in Remember the Titans, alongside one of my favorite characters, Sunshine, who is played by Kip Pardue. Now, Kip Pardue played in an episode of Law & Order SVU as... Reverend Gary Langham. And I just thought that was funny that they were both reverends at some point. This is our second time in Law and Order, isn't it? Uh, Listen, everybody's been in fucking Law and Order. I could do Law and Order every week. 470 episodes or something like that. Uh, Also in an episode of Law and Order was Karen Allen. She played Paula Varney in an episode. You probably know Karen Allen as being Marion in Indiana Jones, but we're not talking about that. She also plays Claire Phillips in Scrooged. Now, keeping in theme with this a film, classic. I also wanted to talk about an uncredited role in Scrooge, Buck. Buck is literally a dog. <laughs> Buck the dog, uncredited in Scrooge, but known for being Buck the dog in the hit sitcom Married with Children. Uh-huh. Also in Married with Children, uh, for a couple episodes, she guest starred in two different ones as an actress named Ava Fabian. She played a character named Yummy, in one episode and a character named Honey Roasted in another episode. And I know you're thinking those are some interesting names. I wonder what kind of characters she played. Let me just tell you a little bit more about some of Ava Fabian's roles. She is most known for playing Jacqueline Stone, the narrator on a Skinamax production called Erotic Confessions. (laughs) Nice. We made it to Skinamax. (laughs) You know, I I would have guessed. I I, I don't know that I needed that context. Fluffy and you honey tell me, yeah you tell me her name is honey wheat bread and I, I knew you know like i was there her characters ah, again damn. were yummy and honey roasted oh honey. Uh-huh, and yeah i got it she plays jacqueline stone the narrator of erotic confessions which is a skinamax program in which she would like dear amy letters from people but instead of being like i have problems with my mother-in-law they'd be like let me tell you about this sexy time on the beach i never and, thought we'd go through softcore porn oh we are there <laughs> my friend so she normally played jacqueline stone in erotic confessions but in one episode jacqueline stone was played by layla roberts layla roberts also plays the stripper molly mounds in the hit film armageddon molly wow. mounds molly i forgot Mounds. about wow. that. molly Mounds. what uh what a way <laughs> What a way. But let's let's finish her out on the back end. That's what she said. Alongside Molly Mounds, you have the character <laughs> yeah. Dottie, played by Grace Zabriski. She also played Miss Gregory in an episode of American Playhouse. Now, American Playhouse was an anthology uh, series that ran on PBS for many years. It actually launched the careers of a lot of famous actors, including Ben Stiller, John Malkovich, and Megan Bellali. Playing two different times on American Playhouse is Peter Gallagher. He played Charles Castle in an episode, as well as Logan Melton in an episode. Are you laughing because I said back end after talking about <laughs> softcore porn? Yeah, yeah, finish around on the back end really sent me. 
Alan's been trying so hard to not be disruptive for like five credits at this point. He's just like Doctor Strange level doubled over over here. Because I said back end after talking no, no, about no, no, no. Skinamax. Well, it's uh, there's a little part. Uh, I understand. I understand. I didn't help the scenario. I'm just saying. <laughs> Ooh, we're good. We're good. Continue. I'm sorry. Ooh. It's it's okay. American Playhouse playing two different roles in two different episodes. Charles Castle and Logan Melton was Peter Gallagher. Now I love Peter Gallagher for his role as Sandy Cohen in the TV series The OC. Mm-hmm. One of the most iconic lines on the show. Welcome to the OC, bitch, is <laughs> said by Luke Ward, who's played by Chris Carmack. Chris Carmack also plays Dennis in a film that I think we could all agree is better than this one. It's called Shark Night. It's an absolutely insane B-horror movie that takes place... B? This is a B. This is like a D-horror movie, so I'd, I'd give Shark Night like a B. Okay. If you like bad animals eating people movies shark night is incredible it's about some college students in louisiana that go to the lake to de-stress for a while only to find out that somebody named dennis again chris carmike and his best friend have captured a bunch of sharks from the ocean put them in uh fresh water expect them to live somehow and then are filming the sharks eating people to make money on reality tv it's absolutely bonkers uh but the star of shark night is a character named sarah who ironically is also played by a sarah sarah paxton and in this film she's tracy oh we made it oh wow that was you know um better than this movie true i agree it's also the longest armageddon i've ever done it took two full pages well done. Yeah. yeah. Normally I can get it all into one, but this one I had to, to put on another page. I like that you had the opportunity to get it on one page and chose, much like this film did, to literally do the exact opposite I, of that. I, I was inspired by this film. Yeah. I, I also tried. To and find I probably, a stripper. I, yeah, I had, to, I had to go dog. I had to go stripper. There were a lot yeah. of fun ways to go. I, I yeah. thought about it too late. I, I was already too too far in i thought about going through roy kynrim who is the effects supervisor for this film because i really <laughs> think good he deserves a lot of credit yeah. um Launching a puppet out of a potato cannon does yeah. deserve some credit. <laughs> um, and and while looking at his um imdb yeah, i did discover that he was the special he was a makeup supervisor on halloween town so he oh. has a, a, a connection he has a decom uh, resume yeah but he also did the makeup for a movie called Swamp Shark, which was a TV movie that I will be watching after we record this podcast. Mm, there you go. Nice. Yeah. You've been Armageddon, the part of the show where Molly, by no one's urging, has found yet another way this decom can be tied to the smash hit Armageddon. Don't tell her to stop because she won't. Okay. We have this harebrained scheme play out. It works. We come to the conclusion that Ronnie is the problem. Ward says the great line to, or no, I'm sorry, not Ward. This line is said to Ward by Armand. Armand says to Ward upon hearing of Ronnie's issues, because he's already heard whispers of this, he's like, the apple doesn't fall too far from the tree, uh, which is supposed to be a sick burn. And you have Ronnie look at his dad with a grin, which is a strange acting choice in this moment. It's almost like Shia LaBeouf was in on the joke, and I thought that was kind of funny. And... The movie begins to resolve by having two main scenes. Scene one is Jay providing a speech now, this time on the benefits of ADA compliance. 
this this is where I need to come in here. Yes. And I, Molly, I don't know if we're going to go the same. This is one of my main problems with what this movie became. Even if I accept all of the dog shit that has happened. Literal dog one shit. One of my main issues with this movie is that this plan to like frame Ronnie, which ultimately resulted in him losing the scholarship that resolved the thing we introed at the very beginning. This plan was the like backup, 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 backup. Like we just happened upon a plan. There was no like, okay, we're going to solve the problem and get you your scholarship back. It was like, we forgot the scholarship and it happened to work out. Like it, it's just, we just lost it. Like we just lost the narrative and then we decided it was resolved at the end. Like I just hate, I hated that. Like I needed, even if the idea is like, we're going to resolve the dog thing and get your scholarship, be purposeful with it and like thoughtful with it and not just be like, well, we got to go in the back because the cops are here. And so we got to go into the pool house and we're going to break a dog. Like I just hate it. I hate everything about it. Deus Ex Machina. Gotta love how it just works out. Yeah. My fault right here with the film is that I'm sure that it does happen, but not once in this film did they discuss his friend's struggles with accessibility being in her wheelchair. And I thought it was so weird because this is the first time we're getting a character in a wheelchair in a decom you have such an opportunity to actually make that a meaningful role and character and then at the end when his big project that gets him the scholarship actually comes around full circle and benefits his friend and other folks with disabilities it means more it felt so shoehorned in Mm -hmm. and almost just like they're checking a box of like oh we have a wheelchair character we can make this about that and it's like if you had taken out the dumb dog bit or like there's, they could have developed the friendship more and show, even if they had, even if they hadn't done that, even if just one time in this movie, he and Tracy are walking and Tracy can't get somewhere because it's only stairs and they have to take the long way. And then now they're late for class. I don't know. One time, if they one time shown that her life is harder because she's in a wheelchair, then it would have made it a better end. But like they don't, talk about the fact that Tracy's in a wheelchair at all. And then at the end, they're like, ta-da, the problem of being in a wheelchair is better now. And it's like, that. this hasn't, what, this, what? It's almost like a pat on their own back of like, did you notice we had a character in a wheelchair? Did you, did you see it? You, hey guys, we put a character in a wheelchair in the movie. Like it was like, they had to bring attention to it, you know, because you know, good on them for doing it. Yeah. I, there's such a big rewrite of this film that's like you know he gets the thing stolen they like he's like i you know ronnie stole my thing and they go well you both need to make new presentations and like he and tracy supports him during that and his brother's an asshole during that and like they grow together and like he learns from tracy and that inspires the next presentation that he has to do to get the scholarship like cut all the dog shit and there's a movie here. Also, I want to correct myself. This is the second film that's had a character with a overt or invisible disability. Uh, Miracle Lane 2 was the first. Oh, sure. Yeah. The one. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. true. Duh. That's true. Yeah. Duh. 
My bad on making that statement. No, but I, I didn't think of it either. I think maybe because that movie was good. Like, ah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it is, certainly it had... Listen, I long for the times where we get to joke about somebody find, finding strawberry lube in a, in a side table. I actually had a thought while watching this movie, and it was, my God, we are a long departure from Color of Friendship. Oh, mm-hmm. yes. So we have Jay give his presentation and get awarded the scholarship from Armand. Armand is now the headmaster of the school once more. He has demoted Ward to be a secretary. We have... Um, Eliza come in and say that, hey, guess what? Camille is pregnant. Hey, Jay, do you want one of the puppies? Jay agrees. We then cut to Mike back at Starkwell. And the addition, most recent addition to his squad is Ronnie, who is now seen at Starkwell, almost like an immediate ship off to Starkwell. Uh, And Mike is now made it clear that he's going to make Ronnie's life more difficult, a retaliatory act that is certainly not ethical and shows that Mike has learned nothing. And that's how the movie ends. Yep. That's right. I think it's okay if he makes Ronnie's life a little hard because Ronnie is a Nepo baby who's never had to, like, try for anything. (laughs) But I wish they had also shown Mike being better to the his original squad. Yeah. Like, they only show him yelling at Ronnie. And I'm not saying he can, like, torture Ronnie or anything, but I think it's good for Ronnie to be in military school and learn hard work and that he can't get away with everything because his dad's the headmaster. The only they, thing we get that acknowledges it is the colonel congratulating Mike. We don't get to see any of that payoff. Like, it would be better, and Max, what I think, what I think you were driving, it's like, show me, show me. Yeah, Mike. have have the squad recognize it, right? Show him do it. Show the squad go to bat for him. Show something that is more than that. Yeah, they exactly what you said is you know they pay it off with the with the colonel saying like, hey, you really pulled them through or something like Ugh, that. That ridiculous. showed they you know they aren't failing anymore or whatever. But yeah, we don't get any of the we don't get any of that journey. We don't get him coming back and what he's learned and how he's applied it and, and the other end of that resolution. Not, all that's gone. Mm-hmm. It's just shortcut to the end. Hey, nice job. They didn't fail. Pat on the back. So let's rate this movie, shall we? I'll kick us off this week. I'll kick us off. I get this a 2.2, which is 0.1 better than my You Lucky Dog rating. They're both bad movies. Just take out the entire remove the movie hounded make it a plot about a brother relationship developing actually show relationship with friends and stick to the plot you outlined in the first 10 minutes of the movie and it would have been possibly one of the better decoms in this rolodex if you remove the shitty plot line that was never once threaded or mentioned outside of a throwaway line about dog relationships then it's actually a good movie the rewrite is would be pretty damn good and that's it that's it that's all i got one i i I hate it now i was just thinking about i had one in my head and I acknowledge that Ultimate Christmas Present is lower than that. I gave that a lower score. I do think that I like Taj Maori's character more than I liked Howie or sure. Allie from Ultimate Christmas Present. I didn't turn this movie off, although I wanted to. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And, and I think the biggest thing for me is just like, I was really disappointed. I, you know, from the intro to the first maybe 10 minutes, I was like, man, this movie is off to a great start. I'm excited to watch it. And then it became horrible. It just was so bad. Like, and, um, and, and, and I, I was bummed out by that, but I, I give this movie a one. I hear the disappointment in your voice. I really am. Yeah. It's, this is yeah. like, this is like every conversation you ever have with like a, a, a friend or mentor. Like, I'm, I'm not, not mad. mad. Yeah. I'm disappointed. Malls? I think I'm going to give it like a 0.8. Yeah. I really didn't like this movie. Like, the only reason I'm not giving it a zero is because I did laugh many times at the horrible special effects of them just mm. yucking that, like, puppet dog around. Like, the noises the dog made and the, like particularly when they throw it into his bicycle basket mm. and it like <laughs> boings and then it like you see the hand and then it goes like you hear it splat into the mm. basket amazing my entire rating is for that moment um because that joke got old <laughs> after yeah. the, the second or third time i honestly think with the talent that they had in this cast a oh, wasted wasted and everybody was a bad actor in this movie Every single person was a bad actor in this movie. And that's annoying to me because it's not like other movies where you don't know these actors and these actors haven't like done anything before. Like we all know these different actors. Like Mm -hmm. Ed Bagley Jr. is like a pretty accomplished actor and he was a freaking doofus in this movie. And it was just bad. It was just truly terrible. Let's see what the internet has to say, shall we? Now, on the whole, the ratings on this were pretty poor. We had a couple of like eights and tens. Somebody uh, in, in one of the reviews Who's says it was... this a 10? Somebody said in their reviews that it... Uh, Tosh Bowery. <laughs> it was possibly one of the best movies they've ever seen. Um, I hate that person. I have to know. I say it all the time. But like, have the, has this person seen other movies? Is this their I, introduction to I movies? I hate them. Mm-hmm. I hate them. Now, what I'm going to read for you is a one out of 10. Better. Mm-hmm. The title is as follows. Hounded by young children asking you to let them see this movie? Say no! I have to agree with another reviewer on here. It's pretty bad when parents can't have trust in the Disney Channel. Here we see a young boy being chased around by a small Pomeranian dog who is not on its medication. So of course, it attacks the boy in a spur of madness. This could easily scare small children. I don't want to sound like a peace hippie, but it's true. (laughs) The image of a boy being bitten and attacked by a small dog could result in nightmares for children and headaches for parents. Other than that small fact, the movie is still lousy. I wouldn't recommend it either way. Bad actors, bad dialogue, bad everything. Stay away from this movie or else. Yep, Did it I ends just with a threat. It ends with a threat. I, that, I this got threatened. Re- I, this I, I, by a, by a, a peace hippie. Yeah. Stay away from this movie or else. And then I should say they added a smiley face at the end of it just to try to like uh, well, take the good. edge that, off the they're, threat. They're tone policing themselves. Mm-hmm. I mean, they have to. This is literally, somebody wrote this uh, uh, an 8 out of 10 and they're like, Hounded has lots of heavy and a few moderate laughs. It's a must see for any Taj Maui or Shia LaBeouf fans. It will make you laugh your head off. And then in all caps, four times, ha, 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 <laughs> added to the end of the review. Mm. I was like, 
I don't think any Shia LaBeouf fan or Taj Mahal, I don't think either of them want you to see this movie. Like, what? No, you're wrong. <laughs> you're very incorrect. Okay, what's next, though? Let's let's look to the future. Jet next Jackson. is Jet Jackson, the Jet Jackson movie. I'm hype about that. Please be good. I, I don't know that I've seen the movie. I haven't. I don't think I've seen the movie, I but the I saw show. the show a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Can we just, I'm just going to go back to this movie because I just saw what the tagline for it is. It's taking care of this dog is no walk in the park. Hilarious. Even that's dumb. Like, that's <laughs> hilarious. All right, Jet Jackson, though. I'm looking forward to that. That's going to be fun. Uh, the show was good. I'm hopeful. The show crossed. was good 20 years ago, for sure. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, true, true. We thought a lot of things were good, and now we're back here going, ooh. Mm-hmm. Hey, thank you so much for listening to this podcast. I'm sorry if you watched this movie. Please give us a like and review. It really does help us out. And make sure you're connected on all of our social channels at Mammoth Club or at Mammoth underscore club. And until next time, we'll see you for the famous Jet Jackson movie. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Do that hand. Nuts. <laughs>